You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Ladies and gentlemen, your attention please. Now batting for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, Fan Rock Fantasy Baseball, the host, Al Melchior. Fan Rock Fantasy Baseball. Welcome everybody. FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I'm your host, Al Melchior. And with me today, it is a reunion of sorts because, uh, you know, from back in my days at uh, CBS on the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast, I used to podcast with this man, Nando DeFino of Fantasy Sports Network and Fantasy Sports Radio. Nando, welcome back. Thanks for having me, Al. Thanks for having me back. And you forgot to mention all the times we went to Publix together and bought cheap uh, microwave meals. Uh, yeah. 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 I was going to get to that later. I feel like show. that should be part of the intro. I mean, that's what really podcast, whatever. I just, you know, I, I don't want to overwhelm people initially. <laughs> I, I think that's something, I think that's something you work up to. You're right. I'm but sorry. I jumped right. the gun on that, that. We're going to do a whole, I actually had two segments for the, uh, in mind for the show. Now you're, you're only on with us for two segments. So, but, but next Thursday, that, Al, or are we holding that one right. back too? You're, that's well, no, we, we can, we can lay that on people right now that you'll be on for the whole show next thursday that's right so this is just a this is like the little you know preview the little sneak peek the tease but i so i'll save those segments for the for next week's show you know when we have more time one on the whole experience of shopping for microwave lunches and (laughs) what i did right and wrong in terms of the preparation of those lunches (laughs) and also I i thought maybe we'd do a segment called let's bore people with uh talking about our tout wars teams oh i'm in for 100 percent in for that one I'm a mess right, right now. I'm in trade talks. <laughs> well, I'm sorry I laughed at that. That's yeah, thanks, Al. It's messed up. <laughs> well, you know, on that note, let, let's just get to the news, all right? Oh, uh, fine. Yeah. Freddie Freeman has been diagnosed with a wrist fracture. This was uh, pretty much anticipated uh, since the game last night didn't look good. He's going to be out for eight to ten weeks. Uh, Nando, I hope you don't have Freddie. Well, you don't have Freddie Freeman on your your top worst team because you're in AL only. Do you own any Freddie Freeman at all this year? No, I didn't. He went too high and too much, uh, and I'm just like you know. There's so many other first basemen. Like you know, I, since since we were working together, I've been in love with Yonder Alonso, and every year I just kind of throw him on my team. So it worked out well. But I am a that fan did. of Freddie it's Freeman. Worked. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, we should be. I was not enough of a fan. Uh, I did not get him on any teams this year, but so he'll be out. Bill be out for. Uh, you know, two months roughly, give or take. And, uh, you know, also then, you know, you, you mentioned uh, Yonder Alonso. Logan Morrison's been getting a little more interest. I got a ton of questions yesterday on Twitter about Justin Smoke. Uh, you know, I think maybe he's one of the better replacements out there for Freddie Freeman. I uh, I think you're right, man. Like, I, I had higher hopes for Steve Pierce, and it just hasn't happened. So, uh Smoke has been one of the most added on Yahoo. Uh, I think it's CBS. We were just printing stuff out for the Roto Experts this morning. That's why I remember that. I think Smoke's like the second or third most added on Yahoo as of like 8 o'clock yep. this morning. As well, he should be, even without the Freeman injury. But good good option there. Well, we got to head to break. So Nand will be back with us for the next segment. We'll go over some more news, look at lineups, weather scores, and talk about a few hitters too while we're at it. So stick around, folks.
Welcome back, everyone, to FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I'm Al Melkier, the host for the hour, and I'm joined by what sounds like Enya. Some interesting uh, music there. Also, by the way, also joined <laughs> by Nado Defino from Fantasy Sports Network. Sorry, sorry, I put you after Enya or, or an Enya sound alike there. But, it's all uh, right, Al. You know, priorities. I know, right? Yeah, it's uh, the, Enya. They, she, is, she. I think. Yeah, she deserves it. Okay, well, I'm glad we're all on the same page here. I'm going to run through some news real quick here, Nando, because I know I want to get to some player analysis with you, but there is a lot to get to here. So uh, Manny Machado was not in the starting lineup today for the Orioles. He was replaced at third base by Ryan Flaherty. He's got a sore right index finger, so doesn't sound like a serious injury for Manny Machado. Um, also, the it's been since Monday since I've been on. So this is not really news news, but Edwin Diaz, as I'm sure everybody knows by now, is out as the Mariners' closer. What is new are some of the reports about who may replace Diaz. The Seattle Times reported that uh, it will be a committee composed of Steve Ciszek, Tony Zick, Nick Vincent, and Mark Zipchinski. And Craig Mish tweeted out earlier today that it could be James Pazos. Um who actually pitched uh, the ninth and part of the eighth last night and, and pitched very well. So that is a uh, situation that is definitely in flux there. Also Mariners related, Jerry Poto, according to Jim Bowden, has said that Mitch Haniger is ready to go on rehab this weekend and should be back for next weekend against the Nationals. So great news for Mitch Hannigan and his owners. Trevor Story will uh, join the Albuquerque Isotopes tomorrow to begin his injury rehab. He's been out, of course, with the left shoulder strain. Uh, South Korean court on Thursday has upheld the suspended prison sentence for uh, Young Ho Gong. Uh, that, according to the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, so uh, should not expect him to be back anytime uh, in the near future. Gregory Polanco has been put on the 10-day DL with the strained left hamstring. Mark Melanson was activated last night before the Giants game, though he did not appear. That's two days ahead of schedule for Melanson, though. Trevor Cahill to the DL with the right shoulder strain. Jared Cozart getting the start uh, for the Padres today. Uh, Troy Tulowitzki and Josh Donaldson behind their initial projections for returning, but Tulowitzki could be back tomorrow. Donaldson no earlier than next week. And finally, uh, Miguel Cabrera has been diagnosed with a grade one oblique strain, but is only expected to miss two to three days. So let's hope that that is the case for Miguel Cabrera. All right, Nando. Um, some uh, big hitter performances last night, and uh, Bradley Zimmer, of course, one of the more notable ones because he hit his first career home run. Have you pursued Zimmer in any leagues yet? Uh, I haven't yet. It's probably my fault that I haven't. It's it's just he's he's I guess he's not deep enough for my you know my friends leagues, and um, I'm sorry, he's too deep for my friends leagues, not deep enough for the ones that I, I play in. It's uh, he's already been scooped up in the ones you know my Tout Wars and all that. Um, and yeah. in my 12-teamers, I'm like, eh, I don't want to give up Yasiel Puig just yet. You know, no, I, you know, I, I haven't pursued him either, and it, it's work. You know, maybe it was just working together for too long. I don't know, but uh, <laughs> I, I, I he, yeah, he's kind of a tweener. You know, he's already gone in the deeper leagues and the 12-team leagues. The, the strikeouts concern me a bit. You know, it's it's that, and it's someone with that kind of speed usually comes with a higher batting average. And if you go through his minor league numbers. Um, I think he's only gone over 290 once. Uh, it's not very. I think his minor league total batting average is 270. And you would think a dude who's going to steal 40 bases should be hitting you know, 301 in the minor leagues. 
Uh, so that worries me a little bit. Yeah, well, I, I probably shouldn't be turning my nose up at any steals potential on that level because it's not that easy to find. But you're right, it, it comes with some downside. And then you figure with the, the, trans, the translation or the transition the major leagues, you know, he might not get on base that much, and then that could hamper his, his steals total. So uh, I'm doing a great job of justifying my both really both of our inaction <laughs> thank uh, you <laughs> in reality everyone listen we just didn't realize you got called up this is the first time we heard about it ah <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah well uh yeah i was a little, little slow on the trigger there with, with zimmer but no uh yeah i just i just couldn't, couldn't get myself to do it tyler collins uh usually i have a long list of people who have hit two home runs the night before list of one here tyler collins two homer game now he's got four on the season Three hits in total against the Orioles, and uh, he is now batting a robust, not so robust, two thirty-eight. Tyler Collins. Uh, what depth of league is he worth owning in? I would say AL only. Maybe like if you're playing a sixteen-teamer. Um, I think he's still kind of platoony. Uh, and I, for whatever reason, the name of the guy who I really like is escaping me right now. The Tigers outfielder who hits a ton of home runs, uh, who keeps getting called up and sent back down, and called up and sent back down. Could that be Moya? Or, yeah, Stephen uh, Moya. Thank you, Al. Stephen okay. Moya. <laughs> Thank you. They uh they designated him for a I know this year. I I think yeah. I, it, but it, I can't like it's crushing because you go back and again I don't like my whole thing. You look at the minor league numbers, see what he did at different levels, and he was actually better than I think his his major league performance indicated. Um, anyway, the whole point is that Tyler Collins I feel like is always in danger of losing his job to someone like a Stephen Moya. Um, you know, he'll never be like that straight starter all the time. Like maybe Jacoby Jones shows up again. Uh, there are just right. too many too many factors that make me not like Tyler Collins as much as I should. Yeah, well, I don't, I don't even know if that's how much you should. I mean, again, again he's not hitting for a high average. Uh, I do. I'm not too surprised by the power, and not that it's great power. Like I said, just four home runs so far, but I think that this could necess- this could be the the stepping stone to something a little better for him. But yeah, I think there's just too much of a crunch there, and, and he's just not a, enough of a standout talent wise to, like you say withstand uh, uh say a jacoby jones call up or, or something like or steven moya for that matter right Corey dickerson with another nice game two for five at the indians with his ninth home run of the season and he's now hitting 335 i think i've made the comment uh probably on this show and, and certainly on twitter that i think that dickerson is is back to being where he was with the rockies that he was not dependent on Coors field i've seen others make the same observation do you buy that or uh you think that he's he's going to regress to a level below you know where he was in Colorado? No, I'm with you. Uh, this is just this is fun, Al. We're agreeing, just like the good old days. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I've uh, I've always, I've I've liked Corey Dickerson. I took a hit, uh, you know, last year with the belief that everything was okay and cool with Corey Dickerson, um, and then I, I just like the story of my life should just waited a year. But uh, I think he's got average potential. I think he's got nice home run potential. That lineup is it's better than people think. If you're looking for counting stats and runs and runs batted in. Um, I'm not just saying this because he's doing well now. I've I've had a thing for Corey Dickerson for a little while. Yeah, well, uh, you know, you should you should revel in that now. <laughs> well, you know, you start to revel, Alan. People get jealous, and then bad things happen. That's true. Yeah, I, I, like, I like to revel too much. <laughs> Other people can revel uh, for me. All right. Well, that's right. I'll I'll be happy to do that because yeah, I I just thought that Dickerson's profile as a hitter is somebody who uses the whole field and and had good power. Um, yeah, I just thought that it would translate pretty well 
just uh, you know just about anywhere. And you know, well, he has some nice parks to visit in the AL East too. Wasn't a big crux of the argument last year? Also, uh, if you look at what he did away from Colorado, his numbers were actually pretty good. I, I kind of remember that. I'm not sure it was Dickerson, but you know, you read a bunch of stuff and they're like, oh well, if you look at Dickerson's home road splits, they're actually pretty good. Or was that the exact yeah, opposite I, in the case that people used against I, him? Let me check that out. I, I, I thought it was the opposite, actually. Maybe it was Why the opposite. Why do you do that? <laughs> okay, well, you... <laughs> uh, well, let's let's uh, talk about Jose Altuve. No big surprise for him to have a four-hit night. He did so against the Marlins. His batting average is back up over 300 at 311. But something very weird for him. He's I wouldn't say he's striking out a lot, but he's not been a great contact hitter this year. He's striking out more than 16% of the time. Uh I mean, is it? You think it's a good time maybe to try to sell Altuve before he you know, drops a notch below that that elite level? I, you know, I feel like the elite guys understand what's happening. With like, you know, I'm striking out too much. I'm pressing. I've got to sit back and let the game come to me. Um, and I consider Altuve elite, so I'm expecting him to just stay. I, I don't think he's gonna. You know what I mean? Like it's it's kind of like like you said, it's a weird thing that's happening. We're not used to it. It's not anywhere in his profile. So. Why not just think that maybe he's maybe he was pushing early, uh, maybe the lineup around him was kind of weird, maybe he's overcorrected and now he's back to where he needs to be. Yeah, well, I, I hope so, and I think even you know, look, even if he doesn't get back to being a you know like a ten percent strikeout guy or eight percent, he's you know he's still gonna hit for average. He's gonna still steal bases. I still think there could be more power to come to from from Altuve. Are you worried uh, about VR, Al? Was, because I always put oh, Altuve and VR yeah. in the same kind of pocket. Uh, yeah, I mean, they kind of are. I mean, other than VR is not going to hit for that kind of average, but I, I figured he'd be like a 270 hitter this year. Right. Um, no, I'm not, I'm really not worried. I actually think he's a really good buy low. I think, I think the hits will come for him. All right. Yeah. Sorry to ask a question. Uh, You're still doing big performances. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, it's okay. Mixing it up. I like like it. (laughs) That's right. All right. Well, uh, Zach Cozart, the hits have been falling for him. He's batting 350 now. Another uh, big game for him. Three hits at the Cubs. Hit his fourth home run. And I love this note from Darren Willman, uh, who does all that great, you know, stat cast uh, research uh, for uh, MLB.com. Cozart's home run was hit at 91 miles an hour at a 36 degree launch angle, which is a, an extremely high launch angle. Uh, that combination has never been a home run before, and I'm assuming that's in the Statcast era, and not you know like going back to, you know, 18 something. Has uh, been a hit one percent of the time. Uh, real quick now, because I think we literally have seconds to go. Sure. You buy you buying Cozart this year? Uh, no, I'll explain more after. <laughs> <laughs> Are you going to stick with us? That is the best news ever. I got some time All right, left, we'll stick- Al. All right, stick with us. Nando's going to be back for part of another segment. Don't go away. We'll be right back. May it be an evening Welcome back, everybody, to Fan Rack Fantasy Baseball. I'm your host, Al Melchior, and this segment, I'm being joined by, I believe it's Sarah McLaughlin, but I'm not really sure. Oh, and Nando DeFino, some bonus time with Nando DeFino from Fantasy Sports Network. And before we get to Nando's take on Zach Kozark, going to leave you hanging on for another minute here because you need to know about the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. You can now take the world's premier 24-7 Fantasy Sports Radio Network with you wherever you go. Download the Fantasy Sports Radio app now in the iTunes Store or on Google Play and listen for free anytime, anywhere. 
You can hear Tony Sincata on the treadmill, Benny Riccardi in your car, or Greg Sussman on the subway. Just relax with the king on the couch or with Jake Seeley when you're jogging. We'll keep you updated and informed wherever you go, so get the Fantasy Sports Radio app free right now in the iTunes Store or on Google Play and take the experts with you. Take Nando DeFino with you as you try to figure out what to do about Zach Cozart. Nando, what were you saying right before the break? You said you're not buying into Cozart? Uh, you know what it is? If And look, i got to be a broken record, I guess. But go to Baseball Reference, go to his minor league page. He's really never had a great batting average, which is why I had thought before he got hurt was fluky uh, last year, two years ago, whatever it was. But uh, I don't yeah. know, man. Like it's, I don't know if he... I probably got to dig deeper, and there's probably some story about how Zach Cozart sat with the hitting coach and shortened his swing and dropped his whatever, whatever, uh, and now he's found you know the, the secret to success. But it's just to me like he's never it's like it's not like he was like hitting three thirty, three thirty, and then hit the upper levels and went down to like two thirty. I think he left the minors like a two fifty one batting average. Uh, to me, I don't know. I just think it's it's a, still kind of a small sample size. I hate to say it like that because it's kind of a large sample size, but. It seems like there's a large amount of statistics to point to Zach Cozart not having a ton of batting average potential and him suddenly having it. So I'm right, probably, he's probably right. just lacking on the research side. You know what? Well, I, I, you, talk, you said you feel like a broken record. That is not quite verbatim, but pretty darn close to what I said on Monday about Cozart. And I said, I'll get back to you. I'll do a deep dive on this. Yeah. And I did the deep dive. And, and I found nothing, Nando. Really? I found nothing. All right. Yeah. I, and, and, and I find this year giving myself benefit of the doubt to players more than I have in the past because, you know, before it was like, oh, it's a high BABIP, it's a low BABIP, this is, you know, clearly a fluke. And then, you know, so many times you find out, well, you know, this player does something kind of unorthodox and, and, and they're able to sustain it. You know, I think about on the pitching side, like a Tanner Roark, um, who just was consistently really good at, at preventing soft contact. Uh, it turns out not today, but, you know, in general. <laughs> but overall. Uh, you know, but so Cozart, you know, I, I looked for that reason to give the benefit that I could not find it anywhere. Um, and I'm going to go a little off topic here because I know we've been talking about hitters, but there is sort of a segue here because I am suddenly very fascinated with Andrew Kashner because he walks more guys than he strikes out and neither ratio is good. <laughs> There's nothing on the surface that looks like uh, Andrew Kashner should have a, what is it now, a 245 ERA. But he keeps going out every time and, and not giving up very many runs. He went seven innings uh, on Thursday against the Phillies. Um, and so what I dug up was that he, he's just he's one of the leaders in terms of low average exit velocity. You know, he so he's he doesn't have great command, apparently, but somehow and I need, need to do more of a deep dive on Kashner. But there is something intriguing there. Um, like the question there is, can he right? Can he keep it up? Or is this yeah. just a fluky thing that, you know, people aren't used to him yet? Because he hasn't pitched in so long, hasn't been healthy in so long, that Kashner shows up, starts throwing some stuff, and be like, oh, second time I see you, I'll get you, Andrew. But right now, keep inducing that soft contact. You know, I did a poll, and I got to say, I'm very surprised by this. Uh, yeah, in fact, final results are just in. What's the shallowest league? This is a Twitter poll. What's the shallowest league in which you would start Andrew Kashner? So the options were 12-team mix, 15-team mix, 10-team AL only, or I would not start him at all. And the winning response, it was kind of all over the map, but the winning response was 38% would start Andrew Kashner in a 15-team mix. 22%, more than one out of five, would start Andrew Kashner in a 12-team mix league. That shocks me. That is risky. 
<laughs> That's I mean, look, I would do that. Yeah. Huge, huge injury history um, on a team that seems to be cursed uh, if you're a pitcher and you don't want to get hurt. Um, velocity. I, I don't know. It's just that's that's scary to me. Like it's the you know, if you started in the last few weeks, pat yourself on the back. But if, if you're planning on starting him the rest of the season, you better hope that, you know, 24 year old Andrew Kashner shows up. Yeah, so well, when you bring up the injury history, I mean, in a given week, I mean, I'd like to think he'll make that start. I mean, are you, you just think that he's just not even worth dedicating the roster spot to in the 12-teamer? I'm just worried that he's due. You know, like, yeah. I would I would take that. Well, I guess you're asking if you're starting, not if you're rostering, uh, which is a different bird altogether. Right, but you got you, you to do one to do the other. So, you know, that's well, you know why I'm asking. Can, you know, maybe, maybe he's just not even worth the spot. I, I think... It's an all-or-nothing gambit. Like, if you need that starting spot, then you put Andrew Kashner in there. If you're looking at your bench spots, I would rather the way things are going this year with closers, I would I would use that spot for a, for a backup closer. Um, that all being said, I've always looked like Andrew Kashner. It's just last four or five years, it seems like just when he starts doing something good like this, uh, he's got like a Clay Buckholtzy thing going on. You know, like when he's healthy and he's good, you're like this guy's awesome, and then uh, back problem yeah. pops up, shoulder problem pops up, and that's the end of Andrew Kashner. All of a sudden, you're staring at a 6.42 ERA for the games in which you've started him. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's a great analogy, too, with, with Buckholz. Uh, you know, just both really maddening pitchers to try to project. Uh, let's get back to hitters. A couple of established studs who had good nights on Thursday. Andrew Kutchin went two for four, got two steals, which is nice to see from him. And Jose Bautista, three for four with one home run, one bat flip, uh, one double. Uh, yeah, obviously a, a very you know controversial game too for Bautista. But uh, you know, bigger picture, uh, are you in on either McCutcheon or Bautista? I'm in on McCutcheon. I've I've kind of held this theory loosely and subjectively that um, you put a guy at either one position, you know, like Chris Davis when he was go bouncing back and forth between outfield and first base, put him at first base at forty something home runs. You throw Andrew McCutcheon back in the position to which he loves and is very used to and doesn't have to learn other things, and he's going to be comfortable and good things are going to happen. So I'm kind of, I'm kind of way in on Andrew McCutcheon right now, and I hope people haven't caught up to the fact that he's playing center field with Marte out and maybe he's comfortable again and he's just being himself. Um, I think he had some knee issues. I think that slowed him down the last couple of years, had some time to rest in the offseason, blah, blah, blah. I, I really like McCutcheon back in center field and having his mind straight. Yeah, well, he's still hitting just 214, but I'm I'm with you, I think. And we saw this last year too, and he and he was good for about the last last two months or so. Uh you know, I think the batting average is often the last thing I worry about unless it's accompanied by a ridiculous strikeout rate. So I I think uh yeah, McCutcheon is is going to be much better going forward. And the fact that he can have a two-steal game, you know, for that that skill to kind of be there in his back pocket is is kind of nice too. I like to see that. Yeah. Yeah. A uh, couple of Rangers, Nando. Are you a Jared Hoying guy? For some reason, I think you might be. He went <laughs> yeah. four for four against the Phillies, hit his first home run of the season, and Delano DeShields also four for four in that game. He, uh, he's a, I guess he's a Nando guy. A lot of home run potential in the minors. It was kind of blocked in the I still don't like, look, selfishly this year, I'm a, a Yerkson Profar fan because I have him in a bunch of places. Um, but I'm happy to see Jared Hoying do this. He's been totally one of the dudes who's been in the minors forever. I used to do this thing where I go to milb.com in the middle of the season. I check out the home run leaders. Um, you know, I check out the stolen base leaders, and I would then cross reference them with all my keeper leagues to see if they were available anywhere. And Hoying was this guy who would always hit home runs and just not be on any team. So I ended up with him on score sheet a couple times. I've kept tabs on him. Uh, it's, it's very nice to see this. He's got power. I don't think he's going to be able to sustain a, a high average, and surprisingly, good amount of steals. So. Yeah, 
I actually think of them more for the steals than the power, to be honest. Like, Al, you, everyone's all over. Um, uh, already forgot his name. Had a long day. <laughs> the, 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 <laughs> Brad the Zimmer. Everyone's all over Brad Zimmer. Jared Hoying, really, I mean, if you take away, if you're okay taking away like 20 points of the batting average, you might get the same thing. Maybe more power, fewer steals. Yeah, I, I'm not sure I would expect that. But Come uh, on, Al. Agree. Yeah, it's agree day. <laughs> Come, no, we, we got I'm just going to keep saying ridiculous to. things until I make you, uh, no, not really. You are, you're already uh, past the line for me. <laughs> All right, fine. I'm, I'm saying no to Jared Hoying is uh, anywhere in the ballpark with, with Brad Zimmer. But we'll, we'll agree some more later, I think. Uh, also, uh, you remind me, Nando, since you talked about score sheet, breaking news for you. You just picked up Christian Walker yeah. in the supplemental draft. Yes. I was, uh, <laughs> yeah, thanks, for, thanks for having my back on that one, Al, and not just laughing the second you said his name. Let me, let me map this out yeah. for you. <laughs> Peralta, yeah, I, I, I want you to, to savor and enjoy that, that pick. Peralta's been hurt. Uh, you yeah. know, Ray, Ray Fuentes is their center fielder right now. Some things could happen where Christian Walker gets called up. He played like a bunch of outfield games in the minors for Baltimore last year. Nice power, decent average. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I never felt like he got a fair shot there. So I don't think it's, it's this is a super deep league too. So yeah, and it's a keeper it's league. It's a bad or crazy pick. Yeah, uh, Jackie Bradley, two for five on a little bit of a hot streak. He has two, or I'm sorry, three multiple hit games out of his last four. Also homered at St. Louis. Um, you know, Bradley, of course, off to a very very slow start prior to this. It, what's what's the threshold for him? Five outfielder league, three outfielder possibly. Where where should he where does he belong? I think he's I think he's gonna come back. I think he's a three outfielder league. I think last year was real. I'm a fan of Jackie Bradley. My only worry is the the Red Sox grow tired of him a little bit and option him, and that's where you'll get screwed. But if they let him play yeah. every day and let him do his thing, I think he's gonna turn out just fine and you're buying tremendously low right now. Yeah, and absolutely. Uh, yeah, so if he's actually owned in, in a league, I would think in a five outfielder league that he probably would be owned. Uh, I can't see I, I would suspect I can't see people I, I, giving up on him with the year he had last no. year, Al. No. Let me toss you one more guy, Nando, and I know you got to go. Yeah, then I got to uh, go. Starla Castro. But next Thursday. Game he's... Yes, that's right. So this is the have to tie this over till then. Cast, Starla Castro batting 351, three-hit game against the Royals with two doubles. Uh, I've been advising people just start at Yankee Stadium. Doesn't really hit for power on the road. Uh, is Castro a must-start now? I like him. I wish I had more time to tell you the story of my out-of-the-park baseball league where I had to trade him because he demanded a trade on my Arizona Diamondbacks franchise. But I guess we can wait until next Thursday. All right. There's a teaser if you ever heard one. Nada, thank you so much for joining us. Anytime, Alice. This is we'll great. see you again next Thursday. All right, folks, stick around. We'll be back with lots, lots more. So stay tuned. Welcome back to FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I'm your host, Al Melchior. And not with me for this segment is Nando DeFino. But I want to thank Nando very, very much for joining us for the first three segments of this show. And as we mentioned, he will be back again next Thursday for the entire show. So uh, store up your your Twitter and email questions for uh, for Nando. Uh, you got a, got a week to think of them. But uh, thanks again to Nando for being back on with us. Uh, lots more to get to here. 
But uh, before we do, just a quick word about the RotoExperts.com exclusive edge in-season fantasy baseball package. It is your ultimate bench coach for the 2017 season. Stay ahead of the pack with their in-depth statistical breakdowns, trend analysis, and player insights. Become a waiver wire wizard and learn how to scan the numbers like a Roto scientist. They will help you set the ideal lineups every week. And this season, you'll get a built-in fantasy training staff with their new injury advisor, powered by InsideInjuries.com. So get the RotoExperts.com exclusive edge in-season fantasy baseball package now and start soaring to the top of your standings. Enter the promo code FREERADIO at the checkout to get a special discount. Uh, so uh, we had talked about, Nando and I talked about a number of hitters who had really interesting, good performances on uh, on Thursday. One, unfortunately, that we uh, didn't get to is Alan Cordoba. And uh, this one's notable to me. He hasn't been playing regularly, although I'd say more regularly than I expected for a Rule 5 guy who had never played above rookie ball. <laughs> He's been playing semi-regularly. And the quote from Andy Green, the Padres manager, after Thursday night's game when Cordoba, Cordoba hit, got two hits, including a triple and raised his batting average to 278. He said, Cordova had the best bat of the night, or I'm sorry, the best at-bat of the night, and he's going to play more and more. So I just find this to be a really, really interesting story uh, for a Rule 5 guy, you know, who hadn't even played in low Class A, much less, you know, a full-season Class A league. So um, that is pretty, pretty cool. Cordova's also been hitting for a little bit of power as well, so... If you're in a deep league, an NL-only league, uh, Cordoba's still out there. It looks like there's more playing time on the horizon. So uh, I think he is definitely worth a pickup in those uh, those formats as well as uh, you know maybe even some really deep mixed leagues. But let's uh, move on to the pitching performances. We've only really scratched the surface with that. Talked with Nando about Andrew Kashner, and again, just uh, for the sake of review, he went seven innings against the Phillies, only allowed two runs on eight hits and a walk, but only two strikeouts. And as I mentioned in that previous segment, really not very good strikeout or walk ratios. In fact, for Kashner, you could view it as sort of a positive development that he only walked one batter in seven innings. And even so, even with that one walk in seven innings, he still has walked 21 batters in 40 and a third innings so far this season. So think about how bad that ratio was before the start last night. And he has struck out two fewer batters that he's walked. Um, and yet he has uh, a 245 ERA. So, uh, you know, not uh, allowing a lot of hard contact is going a long, long way for Andrew Kashner and very consistently so. Uh, so I think if, if it were for that consistency, I probably would have written him off. But and trying to dig deeper, figure out what's going on with him. Uh, you know, he's, he's getting it done in a very, very unconventional way. Uh, of course, Clayton Kershaw and Garrett Cole were terrific on Thursday, so I'm not even going to talk about them because they are both on, uh, on the nice roles you would expect them to be on. But Christian Bergman, uh, one of the, the really great standout performances from Thursday night against the A's, seven and a third scoreless. And, man, that uh, Mariners bullpen really needed the break. And uh, Bergman gave it to him seven and a third scoreless, only two hits allowed, two walks, and nine strikeouts. The seven and third innings is a uh, record for Bergman, and so were the nine strikeouts. Uh, the two walks shouldn't be a big surprise because if uh, Bergman has, you know, one thing that you could call his calling card, it's that he really does have great control. He's had that throughout the minors. Um, 
in this contest threw 72 strikes out of 106 pitches. But the 9Ks against the A's, uh, that that was a big deal, very unexpected. Uh, also, four ground balls, which I think is notable because even before the start, I was keeping an eye on Bergman because in the minors and in his first two starts with the Mariners, he'd been getting a lot of, or I should say a lot more, maybe not a lot on a on an absolute scale, but a lot more ground balls than he had gotten as a Rocky, which is unfortunate because if Christian Bergman could have used the ability to get ground balls, he really could have used it when he was with Colorado. But at least in the first two starts and in the minors, he's had it with the Mariners. Not in this start. Maybe it's an aberration. Maybe it's a Jason Vargas-like regression back to his fly ball leaning ways. Uh, matters obviously less with the Mariners than it did with Colorado. But Bergman definitely uh, been intriguing so far. Alex Cobb with a nice start at the Indians. Went seven innings deep in that one. Three runs, just six hits, just one walk, and seven strikeouts. And so just like with Bergman, the strikeout's nice to see with Cobb. Um, I'm not quite ready yet to say that he's back to where he was pre-Tommy John, but this start certainly uh, a step in the right direction for uh, for Alex Cobb. Shouldn't be too surprising that Lance McCullers came away with a very good line against the Marlins, although, I mean, as bad as the Marlins have been, the offense really not so bad. Uh, that's still a very good lineup. But um, McCullers, only three strikeouts against the Marlins. So uh, six scoreless innings, only three hits allowed. Two walks, which is always encouraging to see from McCullers. He's not really had the control problems this year that he did last year, which is great to see. But three strikeouts in this game. And so now over his last three starts, McCullers lasted 19 innings. That's a big plus. Not so big are the total of 14 scouts he's had and again way way premature in this case to have any kind of concern about about Lance McCullers as a strikeout pitcher it's just again it's it's enough of an outlier for him that it's worth uh keeping an eye on to be sure Kyle Hendricks each start just seems to get a little bit better for him I am really no longer worried about Hendricks I mean for a while there there were maybe like a couple of starts I think including the previous one in Colorado where I thought, I do not want to start this guy. But he, for the last, I would say, two or three starts, seems to be back pretty close to his 2016 form. So on Thursday against the Reds, he went six innings, gave up two runs on six hits and two walks, just four strikeouts for Hendricks. That worries me less than with some other pitchers because Hendricks is another one who, over the previous two seasons, Succeeded more probably with what he did on balls in play than with avoiding getting balls in play. So uh, he he seems to be back to uh, you know being being very good at that. So I would have no hesitation at this point about starting Hendricks. One start week in pretty much any format, certainly twelve team mixed and deeper. Maybe not necessarily a ten team mix, but twelve team mixed and deeper. Uh, I'm back to having Kyle Hendricks in my rotation. Mike Leak, a very nice start against the Boston Red Sox. He went seven innings, no walks. Again, that's pretty much the norm for Mike Leake these days, and actually really over the last few years. Seven hits allowed, two runs, and five strikeouts. So a pretty Mike Leake kind of start there. And his ERA is nice uh, and low at 2.03. And, you know, five strikeouts and seven innings in this day and age is not anything to be impressed by. But against the Red Sox, for a guy who you know does not really have a history 
of being a strikeout guy, that's really a pretty nice outing for Mike Leake to get those five strikeouts against the Red Sox who don't strike out very much at all. Matt Garza, uh, Craig Council, his manager, says he's he's been an unsung hero for the Brewers. And I've got to agree with that. And I think he is maybe a little bit of an unsung hero in fantasy. Now, against the Padres, he did something you don't want to see, which is he got three strikeouts at San Diego. Uh, and, and I've said it, you know, probably on average, like two or three times a week on this show. But the Padres have had a way of making ordinary strikeout pitchers look extraordinary. And... There have been very few two strikeouts, three strikeouts, even four strikeouts. Matt Garza with three strikeouts in six innings against the Padres at Petco Park, but only one run allowed, uh, just the one walk and four hits. So overall, you can't complain about the line. We just get greedy with our pitchers when they face the Padres, but it's not going to happen every time. And and Garza, well, I don't think he's you know in the tie block or even the Andrew Kashner you know range of you know somebody who is you know very rarely going to get more than three or four strikeouts in the start. I think that Garza is a little better than that from that perspective. But this is this is somebody, you know, like a few other pitchers that I've mentioned on the show and in recent shows, that he has not been prone to the big, you know, the big power display. He's really he's kept the, the, the ball down. And this really goes back to late last season, last couple months or so, where Garza had a, a big spike in his ground ball rate and it was in the fifties, maybe somewhere even close to sixty. Haven't looked at that number in a while. Don't have it in front of me, but I mean, he was getting a lot of ground balls and, and he certainly induced a lot of soft contact this year. So uh, I don't think that's enough to make Garza somebody that you start in a 12 team mixed league, unless it's a two start week with some pretty good matchups. But I still, I think even if you started Garza in a 14 team mixed league, you know, that's something that a lot of people might, you know, sort of uh, uh, want to avoid. And I don't think there's really any reason to. Um, you know, so I think that Matt Garza has become more relevant in a broader swath of, of fancy leagues than people might acknowledge. And I think Craig Council would agree with me on that. And one more pitcher to toss out there, you know, because we have talked about Garza and Kashner and several others who have, are getting it done by avoiding hard contact. Yulisha Seen, it's not really paid off in a lot of his starts, but against the Brewers, a, a good power hitting team, he held them to one run over seven innings on two hits and two walks. And Shasin got eight strikeouts. Now, you're not, not going to see that every day. The Brewers strike out a lot, even more than the Padres do, actually. But, um, you know, so that that's a little bit of an aberration. But I expect Shasin to have more good starts like this one, like he did against the Brewers. So a few more pitchers to look at after the break. Stay with us here. We will be back in just a few minutes. Welcome back, everybody. This is FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I'm Al Melchior, your host for the hour, of which not much is very left. Not very much is left. Uh, but we do have time for a couple of Tampa Bay Rays notes. Uh, they have placed Brad Miller on the 10-day disabled list, retroactive to May 16th with a left abdominal strain. And also they have acquired Michael Martinez from the Indians for a player to be later named later or cash considerations. And I was mostly interested in relaying that bit of news 
because I love the fact that Phillies fans called him Mini Mart. Um, that's just one of my favorite nicknames. So uh, Mini Mart goes to the Tampa Bay Rays. And uh, let's also do a quick check-in on the weather for today's games. Uh, usually do that earlier in the show, but with Nando here, uh, we had lots to discuss. But um, really just one game where there it looks like there's a substantial chance of precipitation at game time, and that is the Yankees at the Royals. That's an 8.15 Eastern start time. And for that start time, there's a 49% chance of precipitation, but it does go up uh, throughout the evening there in Kansas City. So uh, obviously, if you've got players uh, rostered on those teams or players you want to roster, that is one you're going to have to look at. Otherwise, uh, I would not expect there to be any delays or cancellations with anything else on the uh, the slate for tonight. So uh, prior to the break, I went through several pitchers who had notable performances, uh, all good ones, actually, on Thursday night. So let's wrap up here on a really downer note with a couple of pitchers who didn't do so well on Thursday, but I still think that they're, they're interesting starts and things we can take away from. Joe Biagini, uh, who I really, really like, uh, owned on my Tout Wars team. Uh, he did not do me right on Thursday. He did not retire any of the first six Braves that he faced. But after that, he was perfect for four innings. So a little bit of good, a little bit of bad there on the Biagini start. All in all, not a good line. Four innings, three hits, two walks. So not you know, not a whole lot of base runners. But uh, six runs allowed, five of them earned. So an ugly line. Saw several people on Twitter last night saying, should we put Biagini back in the bottle? Uh, good good uh, use of punning there. I don't think so. I think it's too early. Uh, in any league where you'd already be owning Biagini, I think he deserves another shot. Uh, good ground ball guy, good control, maybe some strikeout potential. Uh, and, and I think a good sign that he bounced back after a really, really rough beginning against the Braves. And Jason Vargas, not a good start for him against the Yankees. Also just four innings, also six runs allowed. All of those were earned. Four strikeouts, two walks, seven hits for Vargas. Uh, as I mentioned earlier in the show, the high ground ball rate that he had for the few first starts, that's ancient history. He's back to having a ground ball rate below 40%, which has been the norm for him over his career. Which, again, is why you take these early season stats and any kind of small sample stat with a, a grain of salt. But, um, you know, the Yankees, a tough opponent, still got four strikeouts in four innings. I am not ready to give up on Jason Vargas. And in fact, I might even look to buy low on Vargas at this point because I think that the improvements that he's made in the changeup, the, the new um, release point that he's featuring, I think that's all helping him to be a better pitcher than we expected him to be this year. So on that note, and after all, it's a positive note about a negative start. Uh, we're, I'm going to sign off here, but I will be back tomorrow with Jessica Kleinschmidt. So I hope that you join me, uh, for, join me and Jess for that show tomorrow. Be on same time here at Fantasy Sports Radio, 3 p.m. So uh, enjoy some day baseball. Enjoy the night baseball too tonight. And uh, stay tuned for more great programming here on Fantasy Sports Radio. Have a great day, everybody.